Gonna be off every time. Yeah, I think that eventually we'll get to a point where it's like a whole ass song that we're just bebopping through the whole time. It'll be a nice little scat, a nice little scat situation. I like it. Also, I song bushed you, which is like ambushing, but (laughs) with song. But with a song, because I, I didn't, I didn't count us in. I didn't like give you the finger. I just went. I just started because I thought it'd be funny for you to be slow. <laughs> I can't keep up when we're on count. Um, so how are things? What's going on with you, Frankie? I just had a birthday. Sorry, I was. You very just had a birthday. Yes, I just had a birthday. What? What? Uh, what'd you do for for the B day? Um. So. I opened for Theo Vaughn in a in a big ass theater in Baltimore, which was oh, cool. that's dope. Um, that's dope. How was how was Theo Vaughn? Did you spend much time with him? I mean, we spent a little time together. He's super nice, uh, very personable. But he's you know he's one of those guys who's at a different level. <laughs> sure. So he's like filming and doing all these other things. So he's like you know moving a hundred miles an hour. And kind of like making sure this person's doing their thing, that person's doing their thing, where I'm just featuring. You know what I mean? So I'm just kind of hanging sure. out, doodling on my phone. Oh, it's time for me to go up. Cool. Do my set. Come off set. You know what I mean? So our energy was very different. However, super nice guy. We met years ago in L.A. Um, not that he would remember, but uh, through, I can't remember through who, but he was at like the, cel- the not the cellar, the comedy the store. Con- Mm-hmm. So I ran into him there before, but he was really nice. I had a great time. I had like four applause breaks in a 15 minute set. So it was okay. It was pretty, I mean, it was pretty good, you know, pretty Word. good. Yeah. That's not your first theater, is it? It's not my first theater, but it's kind of my first theater at that with someone that's like at that level. Does that make sense? Sure. Like sure, I performed sure, with sure. DL Hughley a bunch, but never like in a theater. It's been like in, at club gigs. So I performed with like, you know, larger comics but it was just a different vibe it was very like not more or less professional but i don't know how to describe it because it, it was um just the energy was different it was like you know how like if you're at okay it was like the difference in energy between like if you go to see metallica and you go to see like your local band even in the same venue do you get what i mean like it's just this energy of like this guy's important, you know. I don't know. It was just different energy. Did it was you, really, it was did really you cool. find yourself having to change up cadence to, like, are people laughing harder and longer? Are, you know, you said there's multiple applause breaks. Did you, like, change your cadence as you would talk <laughs> in a club? Um, yeah, it's, it's very different. Uh, I, w- two things. I want to do more theaters. I, I would love for some big time headliner to, you know, scoop me up and take me on the road with them, like on a theater tour. I would really like to do that only because I real like the sound quality is different. It's better. Um, the acoustics were better. The audience was, you know, hundred times bigger. Um, and I was like kind of speeding through because I was nervous because, you know, I like sure. the lulls, like in a, in a smaller venue and you get that lull and you have like little waves of laughter that you're kind of like riding and waiting for your next words. You know what I mean? But in a theater, a, it was a 2,500 person theater. You don't hear those little nuance. You don't have that. The conversation's very different between you sure. and the audience because you can see literally no one but those people in the front row. You know, so even though you want to, I like to engage the whole club. You know what I mean? When I'm on stage, I'm, I walk the entire stage and I try to look at everyone. But in a theater, it's a very different muscle to work. And so I was like sure. kind of a little faster than I normally would be um, because I was trying to avoid the lulls when you really should embrace the lulls. Like that's where the good stuff actually happens. But whatever. It was an awesome experience. Um, so, yeah, if anyone out there is listening and you plan on going on tour and you want a feature that might very well bury you, just please call Jody Lieberman. 
<laughs> and <laughs> book me to open for you. I promise I will make your audience laugh. I promise, promise to bury you. I promise to bury you. Unless you're a clean comic, and no shade, but no thank you. <laughs> you're like, um, so you would turn down a theater gig if it came with a comic that was too clean? Like if Seinfeld hit me up and was like, hey, will you come open for me? I probably wouldn't do it, no. Stop it. No, I'm, I mean, be, I'm being serious. I'm not being, f- just, and it's no shade on Seinfeld. I mean, sure. can you hear that helicopter? Yeah. Oh, okay. Wh- so, what I, you know, I live by what, the Pentagon, so all sure. the military helicopters are like flying by here all the time. It's very loud. Um, yeah, and no shade on Seinfeld. I mean, he's a legend. He's dope. Um, I'd work with him in a club probably, but not in a theater. I would feel too awkward. I need to get my chops up a little bit more before I would feel comfortable doing that. And I don't like I don't like clean shows. I'm not a, I don't I don't like it. No. Uh-uh. Um I did I did my first big room on Saturday, but it was going out to the club and just just getting getting turnt for the first time in 2 years. You got turnt? <laughs> turnt. Yeah, turnt turnt Two years ago, that word was just on its exit, I think. And since well, it came was... back because there okay, was a, we, we all had a year in the hole, so now right. like everything's on the table. Everything's free game. Right. <laughs> if you, we'll be, I, I'm dusting off old terminology. I, I, I'm bringing back crunk. Oh uh, no, 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 I'm sorry. I'm gonna have to intervene. I'm sorry. You know, I'm all for living your best life and doing you and living life on your own terms but crunk i'm no i'm making exclusively little john references no here's the thing you can't hang out with me and say crunk that's hard rule well then you can't hang out with me because because crunk is first in this situation oh i guess that i guess i can give up give up yeah let's leave crunk oh god it hurt my mouth saying it Ugh. <laughs> what do you, was there ever a time I, I think I can honestly say that I've never said the word crunk without it being ironic oh no I've never used crunk seriously I've, I, mm. I can honestly say that I've never been like let's get crunk and, and meant it with my heart and soul um, I'd like I have to, said I'd, lit though and meant it lit yeah lit I, I, lit doesn't give me the same recoil but I've never used lit really it, yeah. You never I'm, said I'm, English lit? No, I'm kidding. Ha. Yeah, that's I have I have done that. I um I would like to find people that use words like crunk seriously and then just do like a round table discussion with them and see like what the mindset of a person that actually uses crunk. Here, let, let's start. I'll be one of the subjects. You go ahead ask me a okay. question. I'm going to imitate them. Go ahead. Okay. Um Miss French, could you please? What was that? Doi, doi, doi. Like, oh, so so you're saying doi, crunk. That's okay. So, so so anyone that's that's using crunk, that's the scope of their command of the English language. So, like, only one syllable words is what somebody says. Crunk, crunk. What would you What would you do if somebody was doing Lil John references like very seriously okay. right now, right like that? Um, and they meant it. Yeah, like what if like what if you went on a date with a guy and like the date was going so well and you're like, oh my god, I vibe with this person, and then the waitress comes and she says. Hey, would you like your check? And he goes, "What?" And completely serious, like there's no flinch outside. And, he, um, and then she says, "Would you like the check?" And then he says, oh, "Yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah, no, or no, okay." That would be. But then outside of that, outside of that, he's so he's great. No. He's beautiful. He's like no. everything about him is just so no. hot uh, nope. and sexy. No, no, <laughs> no. That that's a such a hard. I have such a short temper for foolishness and fuckery. <laughs> really like my wick is i don't have the bandwidth i don't i don't have the motion the emotional intelligence maybe to be to show that kind of compassion and for foolishness and fuckery i just don't 
Um, and if I'm on a date with someone and they, no, that's, uh, no. Would you rather somebody spends the whole date talking about themselves completely self-absorbed or that it's the best date ever, but it ends with Lil John references? I would rather just be celibate at home alone. <laughs> yeah, neither of those. I can't stand a narcissistic self-absorbed person. Mm. But, you know, that's just not, where's the fun? You know what I mean? And, and having, when, I, when I'm having a conversation with someone, I don't want it to be a monologue. I want to have a dialogue and engage with them. Um, you know what I mean? And it's, en- and it's enjoyable, at least in m- from my perspective, to hear their stories about them, to tell relatable stories about myself, and have like a back and forth and a give and take, and to just sit trapped with someone just like vomiting everything about themselves onto my lap. Ugh. I once, I once went on a first uh, dating app date with a person and during the date, I took out my notebook and started just tallying. And she finally was like, what are you tallying? I was like, I just wanted to check how many times you mentioned yourself in the date. <laughs> and then so she, and like by oh, that like, point in time, I'd already taken the notebook out. So we were already pretty deep in the hole. And then by that time, I think it was like at 10 tallies. And uh, I mean, she got the message, but we, it didn't, it didn't go very far after, after it dinner. Didn't? But I think, Why? I think that's weird. Time, I think my point was made, right? I think that no. Was that That's hilarious. Was, and I Was that an okay applaud, thing to do? I, I think you. that was an okay thing to do. 100% that's okay. 100%. That's obnoxious. Um obnoxious. So, <laughs> I mean, she was she was cool about it actually. Now that I look back at it, she like I could see somebody in that mindset of and mention myself all the time being very upset about it, but she kind of just was quickly like, oh, yeah, I guess. I guess then I have started and completely monopolizing the conversation and only talking right. about myself. It's sometimes, you know, she wasn't that self-aware, but she was self-aware-ish. Hilarious. Ooh. But yeah, my birthday was dope. Scythe for Sounds was in town. He was at a improv opening for Michelle Wolf all weekend. Oh, word. Okay. Uh, so after Baltimore, I went down there and hung out with those guys for a while. And then I drug Scythe to uh, Comedy Loft. And oh, Mike, right. Yeah, Mike Brown was doing his late night mic. So we got up there. And then, you know, those guys down there love me. And they were like, it's your birthday? You should drink full water glasses of Patron. That's what you should do right now. Oh, man. That made me cringe yeah. just to hear that those words aloud. Yeah, I um, woke up the next day, and I was like, I feel like I'm going to vomit, and I'm not sure why. Uh, so what I did. You, what do you mean you're not sure why? I forgot. I was like, I don't think I drank that much. I only had, like, mm. four drinks, but I forgot they were water glass-sized. Sure. Or, you know what I mean? Like, they weren't just four shots. These were, like, probably four shots within a cup. Do you get what I'm saying? So, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm not making myself look great, but <laughs> yeah, that that hurts me. I mean, but I I get it. But I that, it's my that birthday, is... yeah. It was, and every person that came in, I know the entire staff. I know all of the bartenders from working there so much. So every time a new person realized I was there and it was my birthday, Frankie, uh, yeah, oh. Uh, <laughs> Scythe was just like he's like I'm gonna get us a lift. I was like. I'm going to need a lift because <laughs> none right. of this is sober. Yeah, it was, it was, he was drinking shots of ginger beer because he's a good person. Yeah, that's a, that's what a good person drinks. Yeah. I, I, um, just recently got to the point that I'm doing a thing where I, I have, I'm turning into a weirdo in the turning? sake of, uh, yeah, we'll becoming more and more of a weirdo in the sake of like wellness or whatever. If people that are listening to this on an audio, I'm putting air quotes. Well, like I'm carrying around a little notebook, like like one of like the little little notebooks, and jotting down what I'm eating. I'm so so I'm at a meal with a person, and I take out a little green notebook and write down my food. That is worse than somebody taking a picture of their food. I believe. Uh, Are maybe? you coming out to me right now? Because that's the gayest shit I've ever heard. Did you come <laughs> out? <laughs> no, I'm ju- I'm well, and I'm doing it for drinks too. That I'm like jotting down drinks. Oh, because- I thought you meant you were doing it. Never mind. I got I took that sentence completely out of context. Keep going. 
But I'm doing it for food and I'm doing it for drinks that I'm like, like, this is how much I'm, e- this is how much I'm eating. Cause like when I jot it down, I'm just like, you're more mindful of it. it. I know I'm more, I'm, I'm more yeah. mindful of it. And I just, I've only been doing it for a week and I've like, uh, a theater's like a dietitian. She has me like tallying all the things. I was like, Jesus Shout Christ. Out ding, 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 Shout ding. out to a theater. That's two weeks in a row. Yeah, Shout out to a theater. I've been eating beef patties way too much. That's what True. it comes down to. And I didn't need a notebook to tell me that, but I love beef patties. And if anybody tells me not to like beef patties, I'll tell them to go to hell. They I'll should go to, to hell because beef patties are delicious. With a little cheese slab in the middle. Shut up. Oh, I haven't done that yet. That sounds bomb. They give it a little slice down the middle. Just throw a piece of cheddar cheese on it. Give it a little mm. grilly grilly. A and then it's, sizzle sizz. Okay. Uh, it's like a grilled cheese, cheese patty beef situation. Okay, I'm going to uh, actually need to get that when I'm back. Hey, real quick. Did you notice how we were talking about someone just only talking about themselves? And as soon as we finished t- doing that, I started talking about myself. Did you notice how I did that? Well, that's kind of hard in a in a podcast com- <laughs> it, like context. If we're just like... If we can only talk, if we only talk about other people, then it's just a gossip podcast, right? True. So we're not Wendy Williams. So we're not. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, no Wendy Williams here. Um, but do you want to? You want to bring our guest on? Yeah, let's bring our guest on. I'm very excited okay. to bring our guest. Our guest yeah, oh yeah, today. <laughs> Uh, this is this is your I'm just messing with you. Go ahead, Stephen. No, no, no. I, it, no. Uh, <laughs> me and Caprice actually had a conversation a little bit ago. We've been talking, and she's such a wonderful soul. Yes. Uh, she runs Stella's Girls. Give it up for Caprice James, everybody. Caprice, yay. Hey, guys. How are you? <laughs> Hi, Caprice. How, we, how are you guys doing? I'm doing well. Um, yeah, you were listening to... A lot of a lot of we were talking a lot of nonsense up top, and now we want to talk something a little less nonsensical. <laughs> you do so much, and I, I I don't know if we'll be able to even scratch the surface of all the stuff that you're doing. But in a short version, who are you? What do you do? And then let's talk into a little it. bit more into it. Yeah, sure. I'm Caprice James. I am the founder of Stella's Girls Incorporated. Um, we are, an, and thank you. We are an international nonprofit that focuses on women and girls to educate and empower them to become leaders and social change agents in their community. Um, so we do this work across seven countries, three continents. Um, and so we're working with young people, have young people on our team that are actually doing the work out there. And it's, you know, providing all of these resources for, for women and girls. And actually, we have a new initiative getting ready to pull in young men because as we talk about gender equality, of course, we also need the male allies on our side. Um, so, yeah, this this work has been great. And a lot of it is the coding and the advocacy and mentorship programs and, you know, really being able to provide a platform for young people to have a voice in their space and in the right things that they would like to do. But also making sure they have the access to the resources that they need. So that's like a quick rundown of like who we are, what we do. And, and we're currently based out of uh, Southern Maryland. Um, I've lived all over being an active duty military spouse. So Stella's Girls has been all over the place. Very cool. And so how did you, why, what need did you see for, I, you, you listed a lot of services, but on, in its origin, what need did you see for this organization and how did you get it started? Like, tell us the story. Like you were sitting on the beach with a cup of tea cup at of the tea. break of dawn and you were Frankie and I will close our eyes and we'll yeah, envision like your story. No, I'm, I'm being serious. You know, like what was the moment? What were you thinking? What, what did, what had happened? You know what I mean? Like really like take us there with you. Gosh, you know, really to be honest, you all, the moment started 31 years ago. Shut up. Um, and I, and I didn't know it, you know? So I, as a seven year old, um, with my great grandmother, Estella, who the family called her Stella. <laughs> this is gonna make me cry already. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> 
she um, started me taking a do service with her. And so I was volunteering as a seven-year-old in nursing homes. And so I became like the adopted granddaughter of the nursing homes. And I did that from the age of seven to 13. And, and I left that and started doing other programming, um, working with homeless um, women. Uh, we would um, feed any individual that came and knocked on her door. So I'm originally from South Carolina, a very rural, small town, as my husband likes to often remind me, you in a small town. Um, and so it just continued. Um, I, I had plans to go to law school to actually focus on civil rights. So I all throughout middle school, high school, college, I was always doing service in the community. And boom, I met a Marine and I got married to a Marine and I had to sacrifice my law career and focus on my marriage as a Marine spouse. And so it was what was next. And so years fast forward, every duty station, I was working with young people. Young people were always just attached to me. And so I was like, okay, clearly I must have an innate nature of being with these young people and helping them do service. And it was Japan. We moved to Okinawa, Japan. Um, and at oh, the wow. time I was doing some work in Liberia. Um, I started in Liberia in 2012 with another young lady helping her do her nonprofit. And I was just seeing the need for young women and girls. The um, ambassador um, for Japan asked of, you know, really being able to integrate military spouses with Okinawan women. And uh, they went into a school where Okinawan children, they were Amerasian. So they were American and Japanese and they were being bullied because they yeah. had American blood. Yeah. You know, what, what is that thing? What is American blood, right? You, you muted yourself, Caprice. Yes. Look, try, trying to hush the dog. <laughs> uh, <I'm sorry. laughs> I thought it was accidental. No worries. Um, yeah. And so we we started doing these work with these young girls and the girls third grade were like, we want to sell this girl. Like the name kind of came up. I was sitting on the couch and the name. I was like, what am I going to do? I need to do something. I suppose I've been working on my dissertation for my doctorate. And I was like, OK, let me leave the government. And, you know, focus on this dissertation. And then it was like, boom, you're going to focus on these youth. And so I couldn't think of a name. And then I just sat there and I was like, why do I do and contribute all of all of the things, all of the success, you know, my my life journey. And it was for my grandmother and Stella just came about. And I was like, oh, Stella's girls, you know, my love uh -huh. for youth, all youth has been it. But it was the the need in women of the disenfranchisement for women and girls that was happening in the countries I was serving. And so, yeah, we started Stella's Girls Clubs in the Amerasian School in Japan. I had friends back here from youth I were working with in Maryland. We started there. And then I was already doing work in West Africa, Liberia, and started there. So I launched which is not normal for someone to launch in right, three multiple locations at the same oh, wow. time. <laughs> that's insane. Damn. At the same damn time, they say. But yeah, that's, you know, <laughs> it was three at the same time. And, um, and it's just from there, um, just meeting young people. Young people are amazing. This generation that people like to sleep on, they have a lot to say. And they have a mm -hmm. lot of passion and a lot of things they want to do. They need the resources and the platform. And I love being the adult in the room to advocate to make sure the youth are sitting right beside me at the table. Right at the they table. They think very differently than I did when I was, you know, 12, 13, 14, you know, teenage years. Absolutely. I have a 16-year-old daughter. And the way her mind works and when she talks to me, I'm like, I was never that introspective or that emotionally mature or... That um, existential one, I, I just wasn't, I, like, I, it was almost like I lived in this kid bubble in a lot of ways. Like, I don't know. It's just very different. Like, she's just what do far you more educated than I am. I was what at that do age. You, what do you attribute that I think a lot to? of it has to do with access. It does. They have sure. access to the internet. So Absolutely. they can look, yeah, you know what I mean? They can, the world is literally at their fingertips. I couldn't go... 
and readily look up information about other countries, other states, or I hear a word or hear a phrase, oh, what does that mean? You know, without maybe going to the library or getting an encyclopedia or finding an, finding an adult that was well-versed in that. Yeah. <laughs> but they have, like, their whole computers right at the tip of their fingers. Yeah. They can research <laughs> anything. Yeah. The amount of times I can remember vividly, like, going downstairs, asking my dad a question, and him saying, look it up. And I'm like, well, guess I'm never learning that. Right. <laughs> <laughs> right. Because parents, you know, our parents didn't want to say, oh, I don't know. Right. And right. Then, right. It's like they, pretend, they would pretend like they're being smart. Look it up. Like, I know, but I want you to have to work yeah. for it. Like, I worked for it. No, right. you like, I work for it. Yeah, no, you just don't know. Absolutely. You know? Absolutely. And I think... I think we parent differently too. Yeah. You know, I know growing up, it was be quiet, be seen, not heard. Don't involve yourself in adult conversations. Don't speak on anything. If if you want, if I want your opinion, I'll give it to you. Um, You know, my daughter, our relationship is very different, very removed from that. And, you know, she's got a comfortable space to speak her mind and to set boundaries with myself and her dad. You know, and it's just, she's just, we raise them different. Yeah. Very much so. Can I ask? So, you, I mean, you started in three different countries, and I think you said you're in seven, seven now. now. Yeah. Seven now. It, there's always um, – I used to do a lot of business in different countries, and there was always, like, big cultural and structural uh, differences from place to place. What sort of cultural differences did you see uh, – I mean, it, even something as basic as a country's relationship with uh, women's rights and stuff like that. What sort of challenges did you see moving from culture to culture and doing this work? Yeah, I would say, especially outside of the U.S., um, most countries, women, they don't have the right, I feel that they don't have the right based on their country to have a voice. They can't, so like Japan, you know, living in Japan, um, you would never know that domestic violence is super high. Like you wouldn't know that because you will never see it, you know, but when you start talking to the women and they're like, oh, American women, you all can speak your mind. And so when you, you know, it, every country I, I really went to outside of when hitting Japan, hitting West Africa, hitting, so you were hitting the culture and then the religion. And it was like, no, the woman, your place is to be in the home. Your place is to not be educated. Your place is not to have resources. Your place is not to have a voice. And it was a common theme that I was starting to see. But of course, you know, Frankie hit it. She's like, they have access, you know. So they're they're also being able to see what other women, especially American women, what we're doing and what we're seeing, and we're voting for women's rights. And they're like, I want that too. How do I get that? And so it, those were the things that I was seeing actually consistent across. And the U.S. is still struggling. I mean, we're still fighting for the right for our bodies here in the U.S. right now. You know, but however, we have a voice and we can speak about it. And they technically are a little bit afraid because they have countries that you know, are communist countries. They're going to shut them down. They're going to close down. Even, you know, visiting China, you know, you can't, you can't really view it, social media. They lock it down. You, you, so it's that access. They limit the access of what their individuals see. Um, so th- those were, I, I would say, what was consistent. Um, and just really the resources. Um, you know, I, I really encourage people to get out and travel because America has it so good. You know, we're not we're like even us sitting right here on this call. I mean, I was in Kenya two weeks ago and it's. You know, the, the, the young women I was with, I was at a whole retreat of women from 50 countries. And that was the first time most of them had ever been in a five-star hotel, which means they had access to hot water. They had access to light, oh, wow. access to food. Whereas, you know, I just came from a weekend of hanging out with my girls and we stayed in a hotel in D.C. And it's nothing for us. But for them, that was the most special treat they had ever had because it was the first time even stepping foot in a five-star hotel. So that, that's what it looks like. Yeah. Have you, have you um, ever experienced any sort of danger or threats being in these other countries trying to empower women? No. Um, I have thrown some people in jail. Um, okay. 
Okay. <laughs> you can't just, you're going to need to elaborate on that. So, yeah, right. What was that all about? You don't need to know more about that. So while, so while in Liberia, so Liberia is the country I've been in the longest. I've been there for eight years. Um, so going there and just being among the community and like really just emerging myself among the, among the villages, there was one time staying at this hotel, um, we had a driver coming to pick us up. So now the Lebanese are the ones that really control the country um, in Liberia. And, and so there were these Lebanese workers at the hotel and they wouldn't move their car so we could get out. So the driver's asking them nicely, please move your car because you're not supposed to stop. And they continue right. to get a little irate with the driver. And so the, the, the my girlfriend that I was with, she was like, you, you know, you need to move and she can speak the native tongue. So they automatically thought we were Liberians and they don't have respect for them. And so the driver goes in front of the car and like, move your car. And so, well, they go and they like tap him with the Shut car. Shut up, his physical body? His physical body. They tap him. So we jump oh. out and we start going off and they go, oh, these are American girls. And so, and then the second thing was the driver was a chief, was a police for the country. So it was the chief of police's of the country's driver coming to pick us up because we were going to oh, the police. And so, you know, so it, this was on um, Independence Day is what made it worse. It was Independence Day for the country. And wow. so the whole fleet, you had Hummers, everything came to the hotel and they were like, what do you all want them to do? We said, sit on the jail. I said, that yeah. is assault. That is assault on the police officer. And so we go to the jail and they're trying to beg and plead with us. The Lebanese are big bosses. They're calling us. Let us take care of you. We're like, no, you no. guys are going to sit and go yeah. for the weekend because you thought we were Liberian girls and realized we were Americans. But it wasn't the fact. The fact was your guys literally tapped him with his right. heart. So I was like, oh, OK, we done put some people in jail. <laughs> In jail. I mean, <laughs> I mean, you tap me with your car, you kind of should go to jail. I mean, you know what I mean? Like that's absolutely. How do you think that that's so? What? That's yeah. bananas. Yeah, and so they that's sat all, there yeah. for a whole weekend, and the people in the hotel, the workers, we came in. They were like, "Oh yeah," I mean, they were like so excited <laughs> because they're always treated very bad, you know, even yeah. though it's their country. You know, the Lebanese treat them very disrespectful. So we were there were all they saw was these dark women put some right language. speak and speaking the language like, oh, OK, well, y'all are. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's insane. I'm surprised you haven't um, or none of the young ladies haven't faced any reprisal because a lot of these countries are very, very strict in the fact that women should have a very specific yeah. station and place right. and to see women kind of stepping outside of that. Um, that's incredible. That's imp- very impressive. Yeah, we yeah, we guy. try to we try to keep them in a safe space, and so not you know being immersed into the village, but also having great connections to some of the politicians as well as what keep our people self. But I, we also have young men, so I really have the young men that protect them. So it's not only young women that are working with us; we have young men at the forefront, you know, pushing for these women's rights because this generation is different. You know, the generation is different. And so, and I think that with the uprisings in so many of the countries, as we all see, you know, it's the youth together. They're, they're all together. And it's it's so many issues that they're just like, we need a voice together. So that's what's kept us safe so far. Good. And that'll continue. Yeah. Is that the, uh, what is it, the journey to manhood part of the... So journey to manhood is new. For that part, when we, we started... For the, for the rest of our guys, we used to call it the He for She movement. Oh, I like that. Okay. Yeah, he for I like she. that. Yeah, Journey to Manhood is super new, um, you know, and that's here in Maryland. Um, and it's for um, mentors for, for young men because they were like, all right, Miss Caprice, you have all these girls. What about us? <laughs> so sure. um, they, they being able to provide them with resources as well. But I'm like being a, a women-focused organization um, how do we still include and still be inclusive, you know, because we're open to all. It's just those rights of the women are, you know, the issues in the countries that we're focusing on. 
but always inclusive of all the different issues. I mean, we LGBT community is another whole thing of trying to push and that be safe. And it's hard because yeah. cultural, you, you know, that you can be shunned and killed for that. So we right. have to tap, you know, tap lightly on it, but bring these young men and hearing them out and saying, you know, you all saying right now at 14, 15, 18, 20, that, yeah, no women should have rights. Well, I need you all to continue that as you become young men. So let us teach you how to treat, you know, treat these young women. So you, you work with uh, young ladies from 13 to 30, right? Yes. So can you walk us through your program a little bit? So do do people have to, to start at 13 or can they come in at any age and kind of how does that work and what does your program do? So if I come in, uh, you know, if my daughter were to come into your program, then what would happen? Does that make sense? Yeah. So, um, yeah, you can come in at any age um, because every country. So we, we have chapters. So let me start there. So we have a Maryland based uh, Liberia chapter, a Sierra Leone chapter. Um, and then we have partners and ambassadors across like Uganda and Kenya, Ivory Coast. Now, so for the U.S., it depends on the program. Um, so we have STEM. We have a co- we have a partnership with Girls Who Code, and so we teach young women and girls about women in science, women in STEM. Women, you know, and that's from we we actually this summer we kicked off third through fifth grade. So now we do third through twelfth grade. Oh wow! Um, and that's all year long. Um, we have a great partnership with Deloitte, and so Deloitte engineers and programmers. Um, they actually teach 10-week courses for us three times a year for third through 12th grade. And so you can come in at any time. You don't have to have any experience. Even as an adult, some of my facilitators, is their first time teaching coding. So they're also oh, learning wow. and facilitating at the same time as they're teaching these young ladies. Um, and so that's if you're interested. And really just making sure, I mean, STEM and technology is going to be around us forever. You got to know technology. You know, so being able to use it, being able to uh, do apps. And so it's been amazing seeing those girls create their own apps and they always tie a social um, social advocacy piece to it, whatever they're building. Um, And then the other pieces are the mentoring. Um, We we have a piece where our 11th and 12th graders. So you can be that 16 year old. If she's like an 11th grader, she can mentor sixth through 10th grade. We teach them how to be mentors. Yeah, we, we teach them how, how to be peer mentors because some young people do not want to be talking to an adult. They're like, I have my parents. No. Why do I want to talk to you? Um, yeah. and, and so we teach we teach the those 11th and 12th graders to be that. And, um, and then the other community service, um, really making sure that they're giving back and understanding what's happening in their community. Um, on the advocacy space, we help and train some of them to advocate. I've had several of our young ladies um, testify at the state legislation, especially on the last and during this last session. It was on menstrual hygiene. Um, so um, menstrual hygiene is a huge thing around period poverty for us. And so we actually had our girls can testify. You, can you define what period poverty is for anybody that's listening. Yes. Yeah, so and for us too. Stop acting smart, Stephen. For any, well, I'm no, one of the people listening. I'm one I of the no clue what you're talking about. So I'm one of the people listening. It's, it's also for, for us. All the people listening. Yeah, I am one of the people, people listening. So Look, I have a period and I've never heard of period poverty. <laughs> so I'm very interested into what, as to what this is. Yeah. So period poverty is when you have a individual that is experiencing experience periods they don't have access to healthy sanitary so we don't they don't have access to pads or tampons or wipes if they may need them so we provide those things to um, individuals in the communities you know we provide so you don't even think about stuff like that man that's definitely something Mm-hmm. That I 100% take for granted. Yes. You know what I mean? Like, oh, of course I'm going to have my feminine wipes and my, you know, all of the stuff that I need as mm-hmm. I'm going out and about in my day. And my only complaint is, oh, I have my period. Right. I don't even think about the fact that there are women all over the world who, for whatever reason, they don't, don't have access. Absolutely. And, and our products get taxed at a higher rate. Exactly. And which exactly. is insane. Patrice, could you give some sort of like scope of how big of a problem that is? Oh my gosh. Like, I mean, like a percentage are, or a. Oh, yeah, I would say globally, um, you're looking at, I think the last numbers I saw was five out of 10. 
500 oh, women that do not have access. And and we started this overseas. I never really I never really thought about it as much in the US, but it's yeah. especially our homeless and our low uh, income yep. families. Because yep. pads and tampons, yep. I mean, we're paying six, seven dollars, and you take that six and seven dollars is taken away from you know their meals for the week. And yeah, so, not to mention if you have multiple women or girls in the house that are menstru- menstruating, you know what I mean? Exactly. Then you're spending 14, 20, whatever it costs to Absolutely. maintain that for the whole group. For you know what I mean? So yeah. yeah, and and it looks different in in so in West Africa and East Africa, they they have never most of the girls that we go into these villages, the girls and the women, and this is why the age range too, why 11 to 30. They don't, they've never been taught what, you know, what their menstrual, they just know they're bleeding. They just know, okay, really? I'm bleeding. And so they don't have access. Most of them have never seen a pad. They've never seen a tampon. So they're using dirty cloths. They're using cow oh. dung, cow poop. What? You know, they're using. And they're putting it on their vagina? Putting it on their vagina. No, please don't say that. Yeah. Banana leaves anything to stop it wait a minute hold on a second i'm sorry i'm sorry i'm sorry you have blown my brains out of my head so isn't that leading to like bacterial infections and all kinds of other exactly myriad of issues like so many other issues exactly but how would you know do they even have access to medical care they don't even have access to medical care this is blowing my mind yeah yeah so so we're having to go in and teach from what we, most of us learned in sex ed, you know, or did. I don't even know if they still teach in sex ed like they used to when we were all growing up. Oh, they get in depth. They get yeah, they get in depth. With, okay. Yeah, they get in depth with it now. So yeah. They don't even get that. So they don't understand their bodies. And so once, you know, a young girl, 10 to 14 is getting her period outside of the U.S. And the U.S. has a couple of instances. Now you're talking about child marriage. Oh, you're a woman. You're bleeding. So you're a woman. Let me go marry you off. So it's it just grows and grows and uh, manifests. And you now you understand where the poverty starts for some of these women in these countries and the lack of rights for them. And so, yeah, we teach. We teach them about menstrual hygiene. We teach them why they're menstruating. And then we teach them how to make their own reusable pads. Because once you teach them how to make their own reusable pads, regardless of what they have, they always have access to cloth healthy, clean cloths in the markets and they're not expensive. So they can make them themselves because most of them sew anyway. Right. And then wash them and reuse them. And then we teach them how to wash them and reuse them for a while. So that is is what period poverty looks like. (laughs) Like my, you don't understand. I am completely, absolutely floored. Like totally floored. Floored. I was just out at my show. Was it last? Yeah, last night. And my daughter texts me, hey, mommy, can you bring some pads home when you come on your way home? And and I'm like, yeah, of of course, sure. That's a nothing thing. But it's not. That's insane. All right. I'll calm down now. (laughs) Cow dung? Cow dung. Yeah. Cow dung or or just sitting over a hole. Like some of the villages. Until your period's over? Until your period's over. Wait, what? So My like- brain cannot <laughs> absorb this information. It's a lot. So there are, there are places where women just sit over a hole yeah, and, and bleed and into a hole. Bleed into the hole. You're going to sit there for three to five days. Yeah, exactly. And so, and then they're missing school. So every year, I mean, every month. You they're got, missing you got everything. Five days out of school. So, they so this is men, men made this up because no woman is going to come up with, hey, you know that poop? Yeah, just you should just put that over. No woman's gonna say that. I, I mean, it's definitely a dad thing that your daughter comes home and is like, "Hey, honey, I uh, I made a blood hole for you. Right, I, right. I, exactly. I made a hole for all the the blood because I'm weirded out by that, and then it's in the corner and it's away from exactly. people. It's away, it's away from, from people, people and pets. <laughs> right. It's away from everything because when you're on your period in these countries, you can't be. You can't be with boys. You can't eat chocolate. Oh, my God. How many women crave chocolate, chocolate during our periods? Oh, my God. Oh, Wait, why? why what is the, what is the rhyme and reason behind no chocolate? Taboos. No cooking. I mean, we used to have that even here in the U.S. Like, if you're on your period, you couldn't cook, like, anything red or spaghetti because 
you know, they think you're mixing it with your blood from your blood. Yeah, and, put, and putting a root on somebody. <laughs> I, think that, I think that's only in black families. It's I don't only think, in black families. Yeah, know. that's a black thing. But, where but I learned it. It came from. I mean, it's, those things have stemmed all the way across the waters because yeah. they believe the same thing. My husband's mother swears, maybe not now, but she used to swear to God that I did that to my husband and that's why he's so in love with me. I'm like, oh, no, uh-huh. it wasn't like that. <laughs> Wait, can you now? Can you explain that? Wait, a root? It's called putting no root, putting a root, R O T T, like rooting them to the ground where they stand uh, for you, right? So the uh, so supposedly there's probably some truth in there somewhere, but you uh, pe- women used to take uh, some drops of their period blood and mix it with typically like spaghetti sauce or something, some sort of red sauce. And then feed it to their prospective partner. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I don't know what other... They just, t- they just take it right out of the period hole? Uh, <laughs> that is so interesting. Like, what would... Like, how do you get it I don't out? know how you collect it. I don't know how you collect it. I've never done it. So I, oh. I don't know. Um, I'm not going to experiment to find out. No. Uh, but <laughs> no. yeah, but that's like... That's the method. It's called putting a... Back in the day, they say putting a root. They would say it like root and say, or but it's called putting a root on someone. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I'm learning so much about periods right now. I'm learning, <laughs> I'm learning, learning. a lot, and you know, it, it's like you're like, what? You know, it's just crazy. When I tell people oh. that, they're like, oh my gosh, what? <laughs> but I mean, we grew up in a place that we don't have to think about those things. I'm definitely putting period hole into a joke because that's. <laughs> not funny. It's not funny, but, but it's, it's just yeah. the thought process of a man. Yeah. Oh my! Like, what are you? Yeah, that's uh, there's so much to mine from that. That's insanity. Okay, yeah. I'm done now. <laughs> um. So, but what does that look like? Because, or like, how long is the educational process in that? Right. Like, because because I've done a lot of work with like um food deserts and and better uh, nutrition and stuff like that. And so much of it starts with, yo, this is broccoli. <laughs> you know, it's just like kind of basic uh, educational process to to build up to it. But like that, like the eating habits conversation is a long one. And so how long from kind of start to finish does it look like from starting where somebody's having their period in a hole to – getting them to regularly use like hygienic I mean, period processes. I don't, I don't, <laughs> don't really know the terminology all yeah, that well. I'm it, dancing around it. You know, so, so now the term they, that they say is like, it's sexual health, reproductive health is what they call it. Okay. Um, sure, sure. I mean, it, t- it takes a while. It really depends on, it really depends on where you are. Like if you can go into the cities and you're talking to, you know, some of these women and girls, like our trainings, our trainings are two to three days. And those two to three days is a lot of information being poured at them. But it's also fun because they start coming up with these rap songs and songs like, oh, I can eat on my period. I can have sex with my, all my period, like all these things. And these, and to see these women sing these songs and like get empowered because they make them up themselves, right? So they empower themselves and they have this community around them. And so that's a two to three day period. And then they go home and the whole goal is for them to go home and now go into their village and continue. continue. So you've changed my perspective on some things today. Mm Caprice. No, not that I I don't want to say I'm ungrateful. I I don't think that I'm, I try to live in gratitude just kind of in a general sense at the same time i get upset about things i really should not be getting upset about you know and and i'm i'm far more fortunate than sometimes i like to maybe see or believe because that oh my that's just that's insanity that's insanity and as as crazy as this next thing is going to be it's the truth but we are actually at the end of our show um we've been yeah that's equally that's equally crazy as as uh, period poverty. You just stopped calling vaginas baby boxes the other week. Okay, <laughs> just a week ago. All right. <laughs> oh, a baby so, box. Well, it's still a baby box. It's still a baby. I like it. Baby All, box. Also, baby like box one. Th- I I love that <laughs> yeah. there's a whole genre of music being developed from your work of period pop, 
where we can we can yes, period pop period pop that baby box yeah that's a new that's a new trap song I coming like out straight, yeah straight out of liberia y'all don't know about the, it's gonna drop on the 15th that'll be the title of the podcast period pop no yeah that, yeah make that the title period pop <laughs> Okay. Here you pop that baby box. Uh, uh, uh. Uh, Here you pop that baby. So, okay, that was too far. That was that one step. That was that one. Here you pop that baby box. Uh, uh. Okay. That's worse when you did it. That's weird. I don't know why that got worse when you did it, but yeah, I um, love it. But let's definitely name the episode. I just feel like you didn't hear what everybody else heard because mine was artistic. It was actually pretty good. I'm not gonna lie. Caprice, where can people help you guys? Where can people find you guys? Um, and what can people do to help? Yeah, so you can look Stella's girls up. It's Stella's S-T-E-L-L-A apostrophe S. Stella's girls with an S. Um, our website. This is your logo, right? That is my logo. When you okay. came on, I was like, yo, she has my logo. I love it. <laughs> We're on, um, so stellasgirls.org. We're on all social media platforms, Facebook, Perfect. Twitter, Instagram, at Stella's Girls. I think on Twitter, it's Stella's Girls, Inc. We're on LinkedIn. Um, I mean, we're always looking for um, volunteers. I've had virtual volunteers during COVID from all over the world. My team was in seven, like seven countries just working on this work on, you know, behind the scenes because they have access to a computer. So we're always looking for volunteers. Um, if you're in the DMV area, we're always looking for people to come and work with these young people that we're working with locally. And then donations. You know, as we talk about this period of poverty, it takes $25 to provide a young woman or girl with pads for an entire year for $25. Oh, yeah. You better get to donating if you're listening to this. Yeah. You do not. Well, you're going to say, and I'm not being funny, but it's going to sound funny, but you're going to save a woman from putting cow dung on her precious Precious, yes. precious flower. Yes. You're going to give a lady three to five more days a month that she doesn't have to sit over a period over a hole. hole. A period that- hole. <laughs> a period hole. That's okay. All right. We're going to end on that note. Um, period holes, holes exist, people. They're, they're not like, <laughs> they're almost like crop right. circles, but. Right. I was going to say like black holes, but. Caprice. Caprice. (laughs) I'm actually gonna um I'm gonna reach out to you offline so I wanna get my daughter involved with what with what you guys are doing in some way. Yeah. Um she could use the camaraderie. Yeah. Uh thank you so much, Caprice. This has been absolutely you literally life changing for me. Um you've blown my mind on so many levels. I love the work that you do. We're very excited. Steven, I'm glad you made this connection. So thank you so much for joining us. I have been Frankie French. And I am Stephen Campbell. And we are the non The Nonprofits. Thank you, Caprice. You're wonderful. <laughs> we'll be back you. next week. <laughs>